Hello and welcome to Small Screen Stories. This is the daily show where I go over all the news in the world of entertainment and pop culture. I'm Edward Lauder, I'm the editor of Small Screen and let's get straight into the news. There's a lot of news to go through tonight and I'm going to go through it quite quickly so bear with me. Uh, the very first thing that I wanted to go over today is that Lucasfilm is rumoured to want Sebastian Plan, uh, Sebastian Plan, Sebastian Stan, sorry, to play Luke Skywalker. So this comes from uh, kind of he's I'll call him a scoopster extraordinaire, uh, Daniel Rickman, or I believe that's how you pronounce his name, and uh, he posts a lot of this sort of stuff on his page which is behind a it was actually behind a paywall it's on patreon but uh people uh subscribe to him and pay for his stuff and he his scoops are more often than not spot on and this one is is one that i am personally very very interested in knowing a bit more about and he's basically said that lucasfilm changed their minds that's in reference to uh wanting to have a de-aged uh mark hamill as Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. But apparently they've changed their minds. Instead of de-aging Mark Hamill, they decided with Hamill's approval to cast Sebastian Stan in the role of a young Luke for future projects. So he, of course, is saying this is for future projects. I am almost 100% sure if this is genuinely the case that this would be for The Mandalorian. In the last episode of The Mandalorian, they uh, they met Ahsoka Tano and she told them to go to a Jedi temple and sit on top of the, on the summit of this temple. I think they will end up meeting Luke Skywalker. It makes sense that it be either Luke Skywalker or Ezra Bridger, and I think Luke Skywalker would make maybe a bit more sense. I mean, I'm not so sure. As far as Ahsoka Tano is concerned, she, of course, um, she is has a much... Well, she has a history with Ezra Bridger as opposed to Luke Skywalker. She probably doesn't really know who he is. She's probably heard what he's done and uh, that there's another Jedi out there. But there are, as far as we're aware... There are three Jedi in, in in the galaxy. There's Luke Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano, and Ezra Bridger. And Ahsoka Tano and Ezra Bridger technically aren't really Jedi. They're a Padawan. And then they... Well, actually, technically, Luke Skywalker isn't really a Jedi either. I mean, he is. But um, he doesn't, doesn't have the level of training as, like, uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi had or Yoda had. But they are they are Jedi in, in as far as that thing's concerned. They are Jedi. But I'm just saying that they're not quite on... You know, the Jedi Order no longer exists in that. And that, of course, one of we know that Luke tried to kind of set it up again and tried to teach people. And then it all kind of went wrong. And then that that's the sequel trilogies. Sorry, it's trilogy. But yes, so it looks like Sebastian Stan could be in the running to play Luke Skywalker, possibly in The Mandalorian. So that's that's something that personally I am rather excited about. I think Sebastian Stan has been long. I mean, Mark Hamill's even talked about it on Twitter that he he thinks he'd be great for a young Luke, but of course he doesn't want to. He doesn't need to help the guy out. He's doing quite well on his own. But uh, I think it would be quite a good bit of casting. I think also it would save with that kind of um, um, what's the word uh, uncanny valley aspect to seeing like a de-aged version of Mark Hamill or even just a purely entirely CGI version of a character, which is what we got with in uh, Rogue One, for instance, with. And also, to a, in a certain extent, the rise of Skywalker with uh, Leia's character, with Prince, well, General Leia, Princess Leia, 
and also with Grand Moff Tarkin as well. That was completely that those characters were completely CGI in Rogue One, and it was a bit weird watching. It, I'm going to be honest, but this is something that fans have been calling for. So fans have been calling for this on Twitter as well, and it seems as though it's something that a lot of people really want to see. They really want to see Sebastian Stan get to really sink his teeth into the role of Luke Skywalker. I personally wouldn't wouldn't mind seeing it, but let me know what you guys think about this in the comments below. Right, moving on to the on from that and on to some rather sad news about David Prowse. So yesterday I, I went over the the sad news that David Prowse uh, passed away. Uh, I think it was on the weekend. Well, now it's coming, it's come to us from his daughter that actually uh, David Prowse died of COVID-19. So this was, she, she was talking to the son and in that interview she said, it's horrible that COVID restrictions meant that we did not get to see him say goodbye. But when we went to collect his stuff from the hospital, the nurse said that what a cool guy he was. He was such a larger than life character. He would have loved to see himself trending on Twitter. So then she she also went on to say that he was suffering from Alzheimer's and has been hospitalized, hospitalized for the last two weeks with COVID-19. Um, and it's just, I mean, he had Alzheimer's, but it, it's, it, it seems as though COVID-19 was the, the, the real reason for his death which is really sad. Uh, David Prowse is, was Darth Vader, was a huge part of why that character is so infamous and is one of the, if not the very best villain of all time. And that's in all medium, not just uh, on in movies and TV shows, but in literature as well, comic books, all sorts of things. He is the one of the greatest villains of all time, on-screen villains. He's just... And, David Prowse's physicality was a huge part of that. But of course, as Mark Hamill said in his very touching tribute, David Prowse was more than just the bloke who played Darth Vader. He was a three-time world heavyweight lifting champion, or Britain, sorry, Britain's three-time heavyweight lifting champion. Uh, He was a a great father. He was an actor in other things as well. And uh, apparently he was a lovely, lovely man. So it's, 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 it's a tragic passing um, and one that people are mourning at the moment. It's just sad to hear that it was COVID-19 as well. Otherwise, he probably would have still been with us. But what do you guys make of this? Let me know in the comments below. So moving on and moving on to Ryan Reynolds. We always seem to move on to Ryan Reynolds after talking about David Prowse. But he will, he will reportedly have full creative control on Deadpool 3. So this comes from We Got This Covered. So do maybe take it with a pinch of salt. But they do get things right um, often. <laughs> and this is kind of a no-brainer, to be honest. Because we do know that Ryan Reynolds is very much involved in the choosing of, of the, the writers, the Molyneux sisters. Which um, it, it, it's an interesting uh, departure from Wernick and Reese, but uh, you know I'm 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 pretty excited to see what happens in this upcoming movie. And apparently, according to uh, we got this covered, Ryan Reynolds is going to have a big say over what happens in Deadpool three. He of course had a big say over what happens in Deadpool one and two. So it makes sense that Marvel and Disney would be just like you know what, do what you want. Let's let's see how this works. You made a lot of money before, make us a lot of money again. And they'll be happy and everyone will be happy. But let me know what you guys think about that in the comments below. Right, so moving on from that, moving on to... It's related to an article that I spoke about last night from Geekosity. So uh, this is that Spider-Man might get... Spider-Man and Dead, Daredevil might end up fighting the Kingpin together in the MCU. So this comes from a Geekosity scoop 
that uh, Spider-Man and Daredevil will be teaming up in a future MCU movie. In the article, they did state that they'd be teaming up against the Kingpin. And this kind of led me on to thinking, well, who's going to be playing the Kingpin next? I am a big advocate of wanting to see Vincent D'Onofrio play the Kingpin again because I think he's perfect casting for the role. He was brilliant in the Daredevil uh, Daredevil, uh, series on Netflix and he's just perfect in the role. He, of course, is expressed his wish to play uh, to play uh, the Kingpin in the MCU. And I really think, I honestly really think Kevin Feige should just go ahead and go, you know what, let's just cast these guys in the, in the roles that they were playing in these Netflix shows because they've already done the groundwork and a lot of them are actually really well cast. I've said this time and time again, I think Charlie Cox, uh, John Bernthal, Kristen Ritter, Mike Coulter, and even to a certain extent, Finn Jones are very well cast in their roles. And the same could be said with the villains in that I think Vincent D'Onofrio is perfect casting. I also thought David Tennant was brilliant in his role as the Purple Man. And I also thought Sigourney Weaver was also fantastic in her in, in her role. Now, of course, some of those villains won't be coming back, but I really do think that Daredevil, um, if if they're going to be making a Spider-Man and Daredevil team-up movie and having Kingpin be the villain, I think Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio should be Kingpin and I think Charlie Cox should be Daredevil. But that's, this, that is my personal opinion. I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige has a different one. I've heard that he wants to rip it all up and start start from scratch as far as those characters are concerned but let me know what you guys think in the comments below right moving on from that moving on to the 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 news that apparently linda carter is reportedly in talks to return as wonder woman in the flash movie so this comes from the vulcan reporter who is another one of these scoop scoopsters uh, but he is again very much he's right rather he's more right than he is wrong <laughs> let's, let's put it that way although his Tom Hardy scoop about him, about Tom Hardy being Bond, is, I think, rubbish. I don't think that's true, but I would love it to be. I would absolutely love it to be, but we've heard nothing about that. But then again, we're probably not going to hear anything about that until after the, ne- the um, No Time to Die has been out, in, hopefully, in cinemas, and that's all kind of died down, and then they'll announce it. You know, I think... I would love it to be Tom Hardy, but that's another story. And anyway, he's he's saying that Linda Carter is going to be returning. Uh, he in the article he did actually say that he wasn't sure whether it would be uh, the version that she played in the 1970s Wonder Woman series. She of course played Wonder Woman in the, in that series or Diana Prince, and she's brilliant in the role. Really, like she's. She really won the hearts and minds of a lot of people, in, certainly in the US. It's more of a show that that was on TV in the US, not really in the UK. Of course, I wasn't around in the 70s. But it, it's, um, it's a show that a lot of people love. And it seems as though this Flash movie is going to feature a lot of kind of uh, character actors who played characters in the past coming back. So you've got Michael Keaton playing Batman. You've got Ben Affleck playing Batman as well, their versions of Batman. I think it's nice that they also have uh, Linda Carter potentially playing Wonder Woman. And they'll, of course, they'll be all from different Earths. So they'll be playing around with the multiverse, which is really fascinating and exciting. I'm pretty sure that Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman will, will also be in it. And I, I'm, I'm actually really, really looking forward to this movie. It's being directed by Andy Muschietti, who, of course, directed uh, the, the It movies. And I think he's a fantastic director. He's working off a script by Christina Hodgson who wrote uh, Birds of Prey, which I actually really enjoyed. I know a lot of people didn't like it that much, but I think it's actually probably a very well-written... Well, I think it's a very well-written script and a, and a good idea. If you didn't like the movie, I don't think it's the script's problem. But uh, let me know what you guys think about that in the comments below. Right, moving on. And moving on to what is our exclusive. And this is something that I'm, I'm really, really excited to talk to you guys about. So... Uh, I was told that John Boyega is in talks to, is sorry in talks with Warner Brothers to star in a future DC Comics movie. 
So this was something I was told a, a while ago, and I've said this, I think every time I've ever done any of these exclusive videos uh, on here, it's, it's something that I am very cautious about. Again, small screen is not a scoop site, that's not what we're about, but sometimes we do get sent these things, and we get sent, I get sent a lot of stuff. I have to sift through it a lot. A lot of times people don't respond to my questions and queries when I or when I try to verify that they are who they say they are. I always try and do that. And I also ask them if I can direct quote them. And I also say that as my sources, they will be completely safe and I'll never say who they are. There's something called source protection. As a journalist, you can protect your sources. You don't have to, you, by law, you do not have to reveal your sources, um, which is nice because often this can result in people being given, well, it can result in people losing jobs, which isn't isn't nice. Of course, is is actually terrible for some people. So it's just a, it's a safety procedure that I like to go through. So I was this news anyway was brought to me by somebody um, who I hadn't really worked with before, and they basically said I'll bring it up here on the screen, and I will actually stretch it a bit so that you don't see my. I should have probably checked this before, but it's been a very busy day. Right, so here we go. The first person to come to me with this news said that John Boyega and Warner Brothers are in talks. Uh, it's for a future DC Comics movie at the moment. I don't know which role he's in talks for, but it's for the movies, not a TV show. So that's the very first thing that came to me. And then I was like, okay, uh, you know, I, I verified who they were and I was asking a bunch of questions and they were like, we don't, you know, that this is all I know. But again, this is one person. And when it's one person coming to you with this stuff, you tend to, I, at least I do, I will not run it until it's been corroborated by people that I actually have worked with in the past and that I do trust. And then, so multiple people then came to me with the same information. And, the, and then one that I do, I do trust a lot, actually, I've worked with quite a lot in the past, said that Warner Brothers and John Boyega have been locked in talks for some time now. It's for a DC Comics role, yet it's been kept under wraps which role it is exactly. So it, it's something that is obviously being talked about a lot. And he, John Boyega is a fantastic actor, really, really brilliant actor. He, of course, has been in the news recently uh, over the last couple of months because of what he said about Disney and how he felt that, that they treated actors of color in the Star Wars movies, which was really brave of him, to be honest. And he, of course, has been a, a big advocate of the Black Lives Matter movement. He was down in London and he's protesting with people. He is someone that has been, has become a bit of a kind of a cultural icon for many people. And he's not, that's not all he is, though. He is also a very, very talented actor. He's shown in the likes of, if you watch Detroit, which is Catherine Bigelow's movie, which is really, really good. It's really hard hitting and he's brilliant. And he was in Attack the Block, which was Joe Cornish's like first feature movie. And of course, his his debut as well in Attack the Block. And I, I love that movie so much. And he's also in Pacific Rim Uprising, which is not a fantastic movie, but he's actually really good in it. And of course, I, I also think he's very good in the in the Star Wars films. So he's someone that is is getting a lot more uh, in, people a lot more interested in him these days, and uh, rightly so because he's a very talented uh, actor. He's also one of the guys that seems to be in in the kind of potential. He's one of the potential actors that could play Bond. Uh, ones that people bring up a lot. He's he's a lot. He's in the betting quite a lot, and I think he's a very good bet. Actually, I'd I would I would be very much behind John Boyega being cast as as uh, James Bond. But yeah, this is something that that I've been sitting on for for a while, and I've kind of tried to 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 get these people to to kind of find out who the role is exactly what the role is exactly. He's up for. He has been. Uh, 
tweeting this. This is now speculation. He has been tweeting about Red Hood. So that could be something he could possibly do in, in the future. Maybe come up in the Robert Pattinson Batman film. But again, the Red Hood backstory wouldn't quite align with Robert Pattinson's Batman. So then the other possible role is Green, um, Green Lantern. And I have said time and time again that, that he would be a brilliant Green Lantern. But of course, he could be up for any role in the DC Comics universe. There are so many incredible and interesting characters in the DC Comics, well, comics, then the universe that he could he could take on and, and, and really make his own. It doesn't have to be like a Red Hood or a Green, a green Lantern or a green, a green Arrow, maybe. It's not, you know... He, there aren't there aren't just those roles. They could kind of go really do deep cuts and come up with a another character that could be then put front and center in the DC Comics movies. And I think that would be a really good idea as well and make really give him the chance to sink his teeth into that role. But let me know what you guys think about this in the comments below. Let me know who you think John Boyega could play. That'd be interesting to know, to find out what you who you guys think he'd be good for, which role he'd be good for. Let me know in the comments below. Right, moving on from that and moving on to uh, Fantastic Beast 3. So Dan Fogler, who... Um, he is. Uh, he plays. I forget his name now. Jacob, I believe his name is in the Fantastic Beasts movies. Uh, he's actually opened up about Johnny Depp's exit as Grindelwald, which he is the first. I believe he's the first actor from the these movies, from the Fantastic Beasts movies, to say anything. So he played Jacob Kowalski. I think that's how you say his name. And he, of course, is the the Muggle, that the 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 non magical human or being in in those movies. And he's a, a good friend to Newt Scamander. So he was talking to Cine um, Cine was Cineblend Cinema Blend, uh, and uh, he he basically opened up about what he thought about Johnny Depp leaving. And he said, "What's best for Johnny and what's best for the film may not be equal. The right de decision may not be what's fair. It's not simple. I love Johnny and I want him to be." I want him uh, to be the best he can be. I selfishly want him at his best if I ever go to work with him again. It's not my decision. If it ever was, I'd bend over backwards and shoot around him and hope production doesn't come to a screeching halt amidst, lock amidst lockdown rules, which are already precarious. And I pray that we get a decent performance amidst, amidst all the stress. That's a huge gamble. Some are not willing to take with so much on the line. Guilty or innocent and adds... Um, and add on no guarantees that the film needs to be a hit there's so many moving parts any decision any decision will garner losses damned if you do it's messy so he's kind of saying he doesn't to be honest he's not really saying much in that in that quote he's basically saying that he would he would love to work with Johnny Depp but maybe the best decision was to let him go kind of he's saying it's like damned if you do damned if you don't really sort of thing He's saying that there are lots of moving parts in this and that the move, you know, Johnny Depp's probably not bigger than the movie. I personally think he probably is actually really at this point. But you know what? Good on him for actually saying something, even if it's a bit it's a bit waffly. Um, he, he says that he hopes production doesn't come to a screeching halt. And then he starts talking about lockdown. But does he actually mean come to a screeching halt because of what was going on with Johnny Depp? Possibly. But that this is all speculation. Uh, as far as I'm aware, like he's saying that like carrying on with Johnny Depp in the role could have been a huge gamble, which it could have been. It what it, it would have been to be honest. It, it would have been. But 
Does that make it right? No, it doesn't make it right. But I've spoken about this at length. I just wanted to, to say what Dan Fogler said about, about this. He, of course, is the first actor to actually say anything about, about all of this going on, which is actually very brave of him because he could be in a lot of trouble after this for actually opening his mouth. But um, I, I, I think he's kind of playing, he's sitting on the fence a bit in that. And, you know, he, he's perfectly within his rights to do that. He, of course, wants to stay in a job as well. Um, and he doesn't want to piss off anybody at Warner Brothers. But let me know what you guys think about that. Are you? What do you think about this whole Johnny Depp thing? Do you like the idea of Mads Mikkelsen playing Grindelwald? I personally, I quite like that idea. I think he's actually quite. I think it's actually quite good casting. I'm going to be completely honest with you. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Right, moving on from that and on to Predator Two. So Predator 2 director, Steve, um, his name is Stephen Hopkins, was talking to, uh, just get the name of the, sorry, he was talking to, do, 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 what's the name of the, uh, Howard Gorman, sorry, on his uh, YouTube channel, sorry I forgot his name, I was looking it up, and uh, he of course directed Predator 2, which uh, starred um, Danny Glover in it and uh, apparently it was originally the idea was originally to have Steven Seagal as as the lead and he really really wanted to to be in the movie and Stephen Hopkins revealed that he had to actually he was invited to Steven Seagal's home and he had to try and convince him not to take on the role because he thought he was completely wrong for the part and it would be too cheesy. He also actually said during the interview that he didn't, <laughs> he's not a big fan of Steven Seagal's. Here's what he said. Steven Seagal was on board and I had hoped, um, I had to go to have a meeting with him at his house, which was one of the craziest afternoons I ever had. Sort of to talk at him out of doing it. It was bizarre. He's very unusual, slightly twisted kind of guy. In the end, um, and in the end, I couldn't see myself doing it with him. I, it didn't feel right. He wasn't the kind of hero. He wasn't the kind of hero. I thought it would just turn into into a cheesy, you know, it's got plenty of cheese now, but it's kind of cool cheese, I think, as opposed to uncool cheese. <laughs> he's basically saying Steven Seagal's uncool cheese. You know what? He's right. He's, he's, he's right. I, I do kind of have a love of Steven Seagal, like his... 90s 80s movies but they are bad they're not very good predator 2 isn't the best movie in the world but it would have been a it's a, it's a lot better without having steven seagal in it although you know what i wouldn't be against seeing that but i just really liked uh, that the interview is actually really good you should go and check it out it's on youtube if you look at go and have a look at the article on small screen i've i've uh, embedded the the youtube uh, video of the interview it's a really good really good interview and apparently there are more little snippets from that interview coming which I'm very excited to to watch but let me know what you guys think of that would you like to see Steven Seagal in a Predator movie they are rebooting the well, doing a Predator 5 uh, I believe now that it's at Disney do, do you think they should bring back they should bring in Steven Seagal let me know in the comments below right moving on from that moving on to Peter Dinklage has been cast to star in the Toxic, Ave Toxic Avenger reboot so this news comes uh, from Dead uh, Deadline I was about to say Deadpool but uh yeah so I've never uh, full disclosure I've never actually watched the original Toxic Avenger I was not alive the time it came out and it's kind of a a film that I really do want to, want to see now, now that I wrote about it and I, I did some uh, some research. I have a, a, a huge and undying love for movies that were made in the 80s. I don't know why. All my favorite movies seem to have been made in the 80s and this was this was made in 1984. It was a very low-budget low action comedy and um, it was quite tongue-in-cheek, I believe. Uh, it was 
about uh, a guy st- a ne- a struggling everyday man uh, being pushed into a vac- vat of toxic waste. He then transforms into a horrible looking mutant who ends up being shunned from society. However, he becomes an underdog hero and, and ends up saving his son, his friends and his community from a corrupt and greedy company. So, and then it actually went on to spawn, I believe it was three other sequels. It was Toxic Avenger Part 2, The Toxic Avenger Part 3, The Last Temptation of Toxie, and Citizen Toxie, The Toxic Avenger 4. So, yeah, they've cast Peter Dinklage in the lead, which I think that's actually really good casting. And it's being directed by Mike and Blair, who uh, had um, his well, his first movie, which is called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. It starred Elijah Wood. It won the Grand Jury Prize at the 2017 Cannes Film Festival, so I don't think he's actually done anything since then. I'm not that again. Don't hold me to that. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure about that. But I do really like the idea of this movie. I think it's going to be quite fun. I think Peter Dinklage is a really talented actor, and I, I love everything he does. Um, even if it is in some silly movies, I think he's actually really good. I actually really liked him in X Men. Uh, he was in X Men. Which one was he in? Uh, he was in X Men: Days of Future Past. He was also in Avengers: Infinity War in a very fun cameo. And he's in a, a movie called I Care A Lot, which is, I think, coming to Netflix pretty soon, which apparently is very good, and he's very good in it. So uh, I'm excited to see what he does with this film. It seems like it's a, a pretty good... Uh, <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good film for him to do. Uh, I think it sounds like a good film. But let me know what you guys uh, think in the comments below. Right, uh, next bit of news is that apparently there's a Eurovision Song Contest sequel uh in the works this uh for at netflix of course this comes from we got this covered so maybe don't take it all that seriously but as far as i'm concerned this makes a lot of sense so the first film of course starred will ferrell and um and uh our the why am i forgetting oh my god i think i just forget names all the time it's had piers brosnan in it and uh, Rachel McAdams yes 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 I think it was Rachel McAdams oh dear I just forget names all the time but yeah so apparently they're developing a sequel and it's the film that was it had sorry Dan Stevens was in it as well Piers Brosnan Rachel yes it was Rachel McAdams Will Ferrell I actually thought Rachel McAdams was brilliant in the film so I'm a bit embarrassed that I forgot her name for a second but um it's a really, I actually really, really enjoyed this movie. It's probably going to end up being in my top 10 movies of the year, which is insane. Yeah, before now, if you'd ever told me the Eurovision Song Contest is, movie is going to be in your top 10 movies, I'd have been like, you're joking, you're, you're, you're mad. But no, um, it, it really made me laugh. I, I really had a good time with it. I think it's Will Ferrell's best movie in years. I think part of the reason why he's very good in it is because of Rachel McAdams and his, uh, sorry, her really good performance. She's basically playing like a, a kind of mellowed down version of Bjork, which I quite like. I think it's quite fun. I have an undying love for the Euro, the Eurovision Song Contest. I watch it every year. I was really upset when it was cancelled this year. And this kind of gave me a bit of my Eurovision fix. So yes, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, uh, where could they go with a sequel? I don't really know. But it seems to me as though Netflix has kind of realized that they've hit on a really good formula here. And that they, they think they're thinking, you know what? We can we can do quite well out of this, and Will Farrell probably will be like, you know what, I can do quite well out of this too. Maybe they re-enter the Eurovision Song Contest with their kid. They of course in the at the end of the movie they have a kid. Who knows what the story will be? But um, I like this. I like this bit of news. I like the idea of a sequel. Uh, I think Will Farrell is in his element in this sort of movie. I think the Eurovision 
uh, song contest kind of community really loved the film. Of course, a lot of um, a lot of very f- well famous singers from the Eurovision Song Contest, like over, from over the years, ended up in the film, which was nice to see. So I, I think it's a good thing, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Right, moving on and moving on to some TV news, and this this is the the last two bits of news of the show. So according to the Mail on Sunday, the royal family is trying to get Netflix to say that The Crown is fictional. So if you've watched The Crown, uh, you'll know that the royal family, especially season four, the royal family comes out of it pretty terribly. Uh, Actually, especially Prince Charles. And again, it is it is a it's a piece of fiction, but people don't seem to be taking that on board. They they seem to be taking it as fact, as as almost like um like a, bi- a biopic, which it isn't. There are, bi- of course, there are parts of it that are true. There are parts that happened and things that happened in history that are true that happen in the show. But a lot of it is written, and it's written by um, what's Peter Morgan is is the writer. And basically, this this actually comes from the culture secretary uh, in the UK, so Oliver Dowden. And he was talking to the Mail on Sunday and he said, it's a beautifully produced work of fiction. So with other TV productions, Netflix should be very clear at the beginning that it is just that. Without this, I fear generation of viewers who do not live through the, who did, sorry, who did not live through these events may mistake fiction for fact. And then he went on to, they went on to, in the article, quote, uh, a historian called Vic, uh, it's my phone again. It he wants to cameo in every single episode. Uh, a historian called Vi- uh, Hugo Vickers who said that much of the fiction is severely, dangerously wrong. Um, and Dowden went on to say that they should have a health warning before every episode. I don't think that they should have a health warning. I think that's a bit much, mate. But he said, um, and then uh, apparently a source close to Prince Charles told the, the Mail that it's quite sinister the way that writer Peter Morgan is clearly using light entertainment to drive a very overt Republican agenda and people don't just don't see it they have been lured in over the first few series that they can't see how they are being manipulated it's it is a highly sophisticated bit of propaganda (laughs) no (laughs) I mean I get I get what the where they're coming from. If you've watched the first three seasons, like maybe the first two seasons, the Claire Foy seasons, the, the Crown, the, the royal family was very popular then, and uh, uh, the last two seasons, it's kind of not not really been the case. But that is actually because a lot of what happened, um, you know, we, we it's pretty well documented what happened between Prince Charles and Princess Diana. That's all pretty well documented. And they weren't happy. They were cheating on one another. You know, that was that was a, a, an arranged, kind of, not really an arranged marriage, but a marriage that was forced that really shouldn't have happened. And um, a lot of it is a product of the times. And I do really think that they do show that in, in, in the show. But if you ever watch any any kind of content that's made around the show... They're always very, very clear on the fact that these are characters. This is not. This is not history. This is not. Not. Not every single bit of this show is fact. They're writing a show that that they want to entertain people. If you believe that this is a biopic, then that's really on the viewer. I don't think that. I mean, maybe at the beginning of 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 the show of maybe at the beginning of every episode have a a disclaimer that comes up saying this is a work of fiction or that these um 
the the, uh, the this show is based on real life characters but the story is not not necessarily true you know maybe but again it's really up to netflix i don't i'm not really sure the royal family can do much about that to be honest but let me know what you guys think in the comments below did you think every single element of the of the crown was true let me know in the comments right moving on and moving on to the final story of the night and that's that netflix is reportedly or no is developing a korean adaptation of their hit spanish show money heist which i i was really scratching my head when i saw this uh, I love Money Heist. I think Money Heist is a terrific show. Uh, it's a Spanish show. It was uh, called La Casa de Papel in Spain and actually everywhere else. I was, um, I, I was, I watched it in in France and it was. I saw all the. It was called La Casa de Papel in France as well. But apparently, so Alex Pina, who is the uh, creator of of uh, Money Heist, spoke in a. So his he made a statement about this and he said uh, this is in deadline and he said Korean creators have been developing their own language and audiovisual audio culture for years they have managed like our series to go beyond cultural borders and become a point of reference for thousands of viewers around the world especially among young people that is why I find it fascinating that the world of La Casa de Papel is so attractive to Korean creators as to do an adaptation the fact that the action is set on the Korean Peninsula also seems to me seems to, to me to be a milestone which I'm really delighted about. So it's go that's going to be fascinating, I think, to be honest. Uh, I, I was a bit kind of like, oh, why why are they doing this? They don't really need to do this. Of course, 65 million people, sorry, million households even, so, uh, they they streamed season four. Uh, this was of course during lockdown. It's one of their it's one of Netflix's biggest shows, and you might not have heard of it. If you're not, not many, I mean, people in the in the UK have. I don't know about in the U in the US, but it's a worldwide show. People love it everywhere in in the world. It's really, really been incredibly popular. It's getting a, f a fifth season, which will be its final season. And I'm actually kind of glad that we're getting this version. I'm I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching the Korean version of it because I like I like the idea of adapting it and ha having it in a set in a different culture. And a Korean culture to me is very interesting. And uh, I I really like heist things, so I'm going to be watching it anyway. But let me know what you guys think about that in the comments below. And with that, I'll say good night. Uh, thank you very very much for watching. Uh, if you don't like watching live streams, you can uh, listen to this as a podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast at Small Screen Stories. If you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could give us five stars. That'd be wonderful. If you're watching on uh, on YouTube, uh, please like and subscribe. That'd be really good too. If you're watching on Facebook, please like the page, follow the page, like the video, share the video. If you're watching on Twitch, uh, do whatever you're doing on Twitch. I really don't know what people are doing on Twitch. I need to really look into that. Uh, you can follow Small Screen everywhere at Small Screen GB. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, you can follow me at EJ Lauder on Twitter. You can go to the site, which is at small-screen.co.uk. Also, if you're interested in writing for us, you can. You can email me at hello at small-screen.co.uk with your pitches. Uh, we do pay our writers and um, we pay you for your time and uh, I reply to all pitches so if, if even if it's there's something that we need to work out and it's not quite there yet I will I will work with you so that we can get something out there because I've found that people that have contacted me have come with brilliant ideas and are very very talented so I want it to be an outlet for people where they can write about what they love as far as what they love is about pop is pop culture but let me yeah and with that, sorry, I will say good night. 
Thank you very much for watching, guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Cheers. Goodbye.